This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Parshat Vayigash Tavshin Ayin Tes. Today is also the yard site of my grandfather, Rav Meishe Ben Sholom Blau. This shir should be a for his neshama, and the Midas Tavis and good deeds generated from the shir should be a schus and aliyah for his neshama. This parsha we have finally, Yasef Tzadik reveals himself to the Shvatim. He says, Ani Yasef, I am Yasef, Aida Vichai, is my father alive? And here the Yalkut Shmai brings from Shimon ben Lazar, as well as to the Medrash Rabbah, from Rav Abakayin Bardella, Oilanu liyayim hadin, Oilanu liyayim hatechecha. Woe to us on the day of judgment, woe to us on the day of rebuke. You see the brothers came in front of Yasef, and how they felt when he said, Ani Yasef. And all the Svarim ask, we don't see any rebuke over here. Yasef is merely revealing himself to his brothers. You don't find any rebuke. In fact, he tells them, don't be upset, don't be embarrassed. For me, it's good. Hashem sent me down here. I'm the king of Mitzrayim. I'm providing the whole world. <coughs> Excuse me. No, thank you. I'm providing the whole world with, with food. Everything's great. That's the case. What was the rebuke over here? What were the brothers embarrassed about? What was the rebuke? Perhaps we can understand this by going back to when this whole episode started. The brothers wanted to kill him. <clears throat> the brothers wanted to kill him. Thank you. The brothers wanted to kill Yasef. And Reuben says, don't kill him. Let's throw him into a pit. What does the Pasuk say? Throw him into the pit. So they throw him into the pit. Eventually, Yehuda says, what do we gain by killing him? Let's sell him. And they sell him. And meanwhile, the Pasuk says, But Yashav Reuven, Reuven returns to Elabar. He's not there. And he says, The child is gone. Where can I go? Where can I go? The child is gone. That's the issue. What do you mean, where can I go? It says Rashi, where could I flee from the grief of my father? He was concerned, what's going to be with his father? That's his concern. What about the fact that Yasef is gone? So the Rashi before asked the question, what does the Apostle mean by Yasha Ruvain in Lamed Zion, and Ruvain returned. Where is he returning from? He was there the whole time. So Rashi brings a pshat. He was busy. With his sackcloth and with his fasting. What, what, what's, he, what's he fasting for? He rearranged his father's beds. So we all know what happened. Rachel died. And Yaakov puts his bed in Billah's tent. Leah is skipped. So Reuven says, what? A chutzpah to my mother. A disgrace to my mother. You put her, the, put ya, your bed Yaakov into the tents of the sir of his maids, and he went and he switched it. What Reuven did, he felt was right. He was standing up for the honor of his mother. What he didn't realize is something very important, something that we all learn as children. You know, before you cross the street, what do your parents tell you? Look both ways. Look both ways before you cross the street. You can't just look one way. Unfortunately, Reuben here only looked one way. He said, what's going to be with the respect, the honor, the covenant of my mother? He neglected to think about the honor of his father. 
We can't stand up for the honor of one person on the cheshman of somebody else. And that was a mistake that Reuben was looking to do tshuva for. And therefore, when it came to Mechiris Yasef, and all the brothers were discussing what to do with Yasef, we don't find that Reuben disagreed that they should do something to Yasef. But Reuben thought to himself, it's all true what we're doing to Yasef. And he deserves it. But what's going to be with Yaakov? What's going to be with our father? Which explains earlier, when he tells the brothers, don't kill him, let's throw him into the pit. The Torah testifies that he wanted to save him. And earlier in Pasuk, Chav Beis, the Torah tells us, don't throw him into the pit. You know why? Why does he say that? He wanted to save him from his hands. That would have been sufficient, but the Torah continues. To return him to his father. That was his goal. His goal wasn't so much to save Yosef. His goal was to save Yosef, to bring him back to his father. And that is what he was doing tshuva on. He was doing tshuva on the fact that he didn't think of others. Last time he moved the bed into his mother's tent, he did not think of his father. And now he said, we are doing the same thing, he tells his brothers. We're selling Yosef, could be he deserves it. We're killing Yosef, could be he deserves it. But what about our father? And that is what Ruvain was telling them. You can't think of someone without thinking of the other person. You have to look both ways before you cross. And that is what Reuven was saying, constantly worried what's going to be with our father. With this, we can now understand what it means, Yosef knew all this. Yosef was watching his brothers see what their reaction is going to be with Binyamin. And then he sees in the final words, he hears how Yehuda is talking to him. And it's a constant refrain. I have to bring him back. What's going to be with my father if we don't bring him back? If we don't bring him back, he's going to see... He's, he's going to see that he's not there. He's going to die. Yaakov's going to die. And Yehuda keeps on saying, saying it over and over again. We have to go back. We have to bring him back to my father. Why? Because something's going to happen to my father. And that's the pshat that Yesu was saying. When Yesu finally realizes that they realize you can't just look at one. You have to look at the whole picture. You have to look at both sides before you cross. Look what Yesu says. You don't have to read the hay with the hay. Ashayla can be hay ayidia. Ha'ayda vichai. My father is still alive. I see that you take my father into account. Ani Yasef, ha'ayda vichai. I cannot reveal myself to you because I see that you take my father into account. What an important lesson we learn from Ruvain, from Yasef, and from all the Shvatim. You want to do chesed for somebody. You want to stand up for someone's covenant. Beautiful. Make sure you look both sides before you cross. Look out, Look around to see who else perhaps is affected by what I'm about to do, by what, am I, what I'm about to say. You can't make somebody feel good by making someone else feel bad. It doesn't work that way. You end up with a mechir yasef with that. The well-known tzaddik and guy in Paisik who lived in Shari Chesim Yerushalayim, whose every second was precious. And yet he still made time to deal with the people lined up by his door who needed advice, a shoulder to cry on, halacha shaylas. He also rented a room two blocks away in a small courtyard to learn privately. And he would spend a few hours there every day. Sometimes he would learn with another bacha there, sometimes by himself, 
And this courtyard was owned by an almana. And this almana was a very efficient person, and she would do all the people's laundry, cleaning, and she kept her courtyard also very clean. And one time, Shlomo Zalman was walking to this courtyard, to his room that he was renting from her. And he's walking with his other bacher, and they come to the courtyard, and all of a sudden, Shlomo Zalman stops, and he walks away. They walk a half a block away, and they're standing there. So the bacher turns to him and says, Rebbe, what are we doing? Why aren't we going inside? He says, didn't you see? The lady just finished cleaning the courtyard. She finished mopping the stones. She says, okay, yeah, but we have to go in. He says, we can't go inside and learn and dirty the stone she just cleaned. How could we learn on someone else's husband? This comes from Shlomo Zalman Arbach, who every second was precious. But he understood, you got to look both sides before you cross. And this applies at all times. About 140 years ago, in the town of Velazhen, the government made a decree when they wanted to go and to induct into the army all the Bachram who were in yeshiva for 15 years. And this way they would completely lose their attachment to Yiddishkeit. And the Bachram were frantic, figuring out what to do, how to get out of it. Some went into hiding. Each person was trying to come up with a way out of it. One person had a deal with the army that if he was a rabbi, they wouldn't take him. But he wasn't. So he went to the rub of the town, who was also a Rebbe in the yeshiva, Rebbe Fall Shapiro. And he went to Rebbe Fall and he explained the situation. He says, I know I, I don't have smicha, but could you write a smicha for me? So he wrote a smicha for him, and he gave it to him. Three weeks later, a bacher came over to Rebbe Fall and he said, he's busy handling a shidduch, going out with the girl, and he knows that the father, the future prospective father-in-law, will be very impressed if he has smicha. Could you please write a smicha for me? So Rafal said, you don't have smicha, I can't give you smicha. He said, I don't understand, three weeks ago you did it for my friend. So Rafal said, how can you compare? Here, there's another side. In other words, there's another side involved. You can't just do what you want. You can't just look at what's good for one person. You have to look everywhere. You have to check both sides before you cross. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.